take our Bibles and go to the New Testament book of Hebrews. We will be in Hebrews chapter 3, and we are coming to the end of our series on doubt. What I'm going to say today, if you were not here with us the past previous five weeks, um, may seem a little strong. Um, This message will be at least as I know my heart and as the Lord has led me to teach this text and what it says, uh, would be a warning. We've had messages that have been teaching, messages that have been encouragement, hopefully. This is a message today about unbelief and about the danger that people who say, I love Jesus... People who gather together in places like this with people who love Jesus, or at least say they do, but the danger of even being among the people of God, but our hearts have strayed far from Him. Doesn't mean that you cheat on your spouse. Doesn't mean that you cheat on your taxes. It does not mean that you kick your dog. But it means that the area of unbelief that we're going to study is a slow drift away from a passionate love for God above all else. I remember in Florida, we would go surfing, and if there was heavy wind out, sometimes you would start right here. And if you didn't watch and keep your bearings, you would realize that that the current had pulled you down the beach. It seemed like everything was the same, but you were drug away from your point of destination. I remember the first time I ever got caught in a riptide or a rip current. I did what you should not do. I panicked. In about five seconds, I realized that if I don't get control of this, I will drown. Something that will pull you away from life. I'm going to be very frank and honest this morning. There has been an incredible amount of encouragement in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Can I get an amen from the church family? This is a loving church. We've seen the Lord do some great things. I have people tell me all the time, we just think the Lord's going to do something great, even more in the future. We just feel like something's going to happen at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. I think that they're right. As we come to this end of series on the question of doubt, I want to warn each and every one of us here today of the slow pull of the world that even though we may still believe the Bible, we may still come to church, our heart is a million miles away from loving God above all else. We may still be faithful. We may still give. We may be involved in Sunday school class. You may sing in the choir. You may have been up here today sitting out there. But if the question was really asked, do you love me by Jesus? We would say yes, but there would have to be an asterisk by the yes. Hebrews chapter 3 presents one of the most compelling and frightening passages in all the Bible for people who claim to believe in Jesus. But when it's all said and done, when they died, they were a million miles from Him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, we will begin to read in verse 12 and go through verse 18. The Bible says, take care. In the Greek New Testament, this means to watch out like a guard. Take care, watch out, brothers, lest there be any be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, 
What does it do? Notice what it does. It leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end, as it is said today, if you hear His voice, do not harden yourselves. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And this goes Old Testament in verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt by Moses? Let's pause for just a moment. The writer of the book of Hebrews, inspired by God to pen these words, is saying that the very people that saw the Red Sea parted, the Egyptian army destroyed, they were led out of slavery by incredibly miraculous signs. He says, was it not those people whose hearts were hardened? Some people today say, Jeff, if I could see more of God, my heart would be closer to Him. That's a lie from the pit of hell. These people saw the most amazing things happen in a concentrated period in all the Bible except for the ministry of Jesus. But when it was all said and done and they came to their grave, their hearts were a million miles from Him. Do never think that being close to the things of God will keep our hearts close to Him. Notice how he continues the argument. Verse chapter, uh, chapter verse 17. And with whom he was provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to all who were disobedient? People who rejected God because their hearts were hard, God said, you will not enter the promised land. Verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. In our first message of this series, we looked at a statement from Elmer Towns, and it was this. Doubt is not unbelief. Unbelief is rebellion against evidence that we cannot or will not accept. Doubt is stumbling, I love this, doubt is stumbling over a stone that we do not understand. Unbelief is kicking at a stone we understand all too well. What we're speaking of this morning is not issues of, I don't know if the New Testament is true. Go look at the messages two weeks ago, and we looked at, you can collaborate from non-Christian sources, the historicity of Jesus. If you say, Jeff, I've got emotional baggage from the past. I don't think that God could love me. Go look at the message online. All the notes are there from Philippians chapter 4 about how when we become stressed and anxious for us to begin immediately thanking God for what He has already done, knowing that He'll take care of us in the future. But today we're talking about a person that for all outward appearances, they're a good church member. I mean, we'll give a little ABP here. If you're new to church, it's like, man, what is he mad at this morning? Well, I, I don't know. Is it me? I mean, we had a, you know, not much sleep the night before. What's going on? If you're new to church, let me, let me just give you the breakdown about what's, what's about to happen. The Bible contains the most amazing story ever about a God, the God who came and died for a lost world. He died for his enemies so that he could redeem them and make them his own children. But somewhere in the mix, for people who come to Jesus in faith, maybe, there's something called, let's go back to verse number 13, something called an evil, unbelieving heart. 
A heart that begins to say, God, I know what you said, but I think I'm going to do what I want to do. And you have people, new folks or new believers or people, if you haven't been to church much, this is what happens. People, like they come to church, they get excited. Um, you know, and then, then you got people who come from different churches and they join or whatever, and they're here and maybe walk down the aisle and they get saved. But then give it a few years and someone hurts their feelings in the church or they say, God, why did this happen to me? And they can't put it all together. And the battlefield of life is strewn with casualties who once were in church, who once were in Bible studies, who sang in the choir, who who were leaders in the church, but today they don't even go. Their Bible stays like this. They don't pray. They're bitter at God. And they have been drawn away from Him I don't want that to happen to any of you. Amen? This from Scripture, and I told you guys, I try as best I can to just teach the Bible. Teach what it says. Unpack it. It is a warning that should shake every single person here who claims to be a follower of Jesus. Are we all clear on that? So new folks, I'm not mad at anybody. But studying this text... And thinking the thought, if I had been there and seen the Red Sea parted, all the ten miracles God did in Egypt, and yet how even it was even in the desert, and they didn't have anything to drink, and Moses strikes this rock. He should have just spoken to it, but he got mad. And he struck the rock, and it poured forth fresh water. But their hearts still became hard. And I think about myself. I say, man, I've taken a few classes in the Bible and talked to preachers. I try to read it and study it. But if their hearts were hard when it was all said and done, that means that I could be in danger of developing a hard heart to the things of God. And because I love you, I'm passionate this morning. And it's because I love you that this is going to be a rough one, but I will not water it down. We okay? Alistair McGrath made this statement, a great British scholar. He said, the worst thing you can do in the event of a spiritual dry spell is to give up going to church, spending time with Christian friends and colleagues, or reading Scripture. These can keep you going when your prayer life seems to dry up. These are like roots searching for precious moisture in a dry land. The prophet Jeremiah likens someone who trusts in the Lord to a tree planted by a stream. And the way it usually happens is all of the stuff hits, people begin to drift away from church attendance, and I'm going to maybe be called by some people a legalist. I am not. We don't come here out of legalism. Amen, church? Come here because we love the Lord. But this is the way that it happens. Just like, well, I was watching the Discovery Channel the other week, and they had these Bison, uh, and it was cold, there was snow everywhere, and the wolves began to chase these bison. And for a while, they huddled up. Have you ever seen that? Right? It's, it's kind of like an offensive line huddled around a golden corral buffet. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we're talking like a big circle of you can't move us. But after a while, they broke rank. 
And they begin to run. And there was this one bison who was a little bit slower than the rest. And this has been replayed on TV all over the place. And another bison comes from behind, and these wolves are chasing the slower one, and he plows over his fellow or fellowette bison. And then the wolves move in, and that's all she wrote. What Satan will try to get you and me to do is to distance ourselves from one another. You say, Jeff, does that always have to do with not coming to church? It has something to do with it. Not all of it, but something. He will try to separate you from your Bible study class, your Sunday school class. If you're a member here, you should be in Sunday school. It's silent. Why? I'm just amazed at the American church that we have, we've got Wednesday night Bible study, amen? Alright, get into some of the deep stuff. We've got Sunday morning, and I know all the teachers, and I trust every single one of them. Scouts honor. A lot of pastors can't say that. They're like, well, I want you to go to this class, this class, and this class, but we got crazy Sherry over here. Don't go to that one. Or angry Albert. All of them teach the Bible. And I'm just amazed. I think that some of us will be held accountable before God because there's places in the world right now to where they can't do that very much because they'll get caught and put in prison. When the Baptist church is all over Franklin County, there's Bible study classes. If you're new, this is for the people who've been here. And there's Bible study, but people don't come. I enjoy hunting. I enjoy shooting. If you're teaching a marksman's class for free, I will be there. That may be strange. No, I'm not packing right now. All right? I enjoy it. So because I enjoy it, because I enjoy the challenge of precision-led delivery, I want to be around those who can teach me more. If you love God's Word, you're going to make a point to be here as often as you can. Straight up. Probably people are offended. I'm going to let you know. And another thing too, if you're in a Sunday school class and you can't get up on Sunday morning, that's pathetic. We okay? Your teachers study every week preparing the Word, going through the lesson, going through the commentary. I just think there's going to be one day where God's going to hold people accountable and say, if a person who works a 40 plus hour work week is preparing the Word of God, but you can't get up and come, where's your heart? Notice what the Bible says, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. What does the evil, unbelieving heart do? It it leads you what? Somebody help me out. Leading you to fall away from the living God. It is absolutely serious. Go back to chapter 2, verse 1 with me. This is context for the book of Hebrews. The Bible says, therefore, and in in fact, in chapter 1, the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, it's showing that Jesus is not an angel. All right? He's a son of God. Angels, somewhere down there. Jesus, as far as you can point and higher. And so in verse 2, because Jesus is the Son of God, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Are we okay this morning? Let me read that again. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a justice retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
The salvation that God has given us through Jesus Christ is not a Sunday morning activity. It is a lifestyle. It is something that you don't just do. It is something that you live. If you're taking notes, write down Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says, Keep or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. What the Bible is telling us to do is not only to watch our heart, but notice what it says in verse number 13. But exhort who? Yourself? Exhort one another. That means that all of us should have each other's back. And the Bible here in verse 12, when it speaks of leading you to fall away, this is where we get our English word apostate. You know what an apostate is? It is a person that when they come to die, they no longer claim Jesus Christ is a person who has separated themselves from the living God. Now, here's a question for us. We're thinking about this. If we're separated from the living God, what else is there if you're separated from life? There's death. There's a way that seems right into a man, but in the end, there are the ways of death. Have you ever seen the movie Cast Away with Tom Hanks? And do you remember his little friend, Wilson? plane went down and just has the Wilson volleyball there to keep him company. Remember when he finally busted out of the island and he got over the big surf? And something happened and he looked around where Wilson was and he was floating away. The Bible is saying that what your heart will do if you do not keep it with all vigilance, because we still have a sin nature, we will drift away from the Lord. You say, Jeff, what causes people to drift away from the Lord? Well, number one would be busyness. Anybody busy? Nobody wants to because they just said it was bad, right? So I got it. Okay. Yeah. We're all busy. But what it can do if we don't have our busyness in line is after a while the things that we, quote, have to do will draw us away from what we can't live without. Will draw us away from Christ. How many of us have been so busy we get up and we do our day and do our things and we don't even, we don't even pray? We didn't get up on our own. You may work out. You may take some rare uh, herbal remedy from the Himalayas that's going to help you live to 972. Right? Like you may be an exercise person, but none of us got up because we decided to. We got up because God gave us life. And our hearts begin to be drawn away by things. Jesus painted a picture. He said the seed was planted in good soil. But then all of a sudden these thorns begin to choke it. And the word became unfruitful. It means the busyness of life. Man, I'm all about student studying, right? I mean, nerd yourself out. Amen, parents, grandparents. If you're in school, you bust your book so hard, the publisher says, ouch. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, study. Man, man, young guys should work. It's killed me. So many guys in my generation, they get like a you know five hour a week job and they just you know take it a little bit easy. Older generation by and large knows what work is. South Georgia, it was a farming community. I believe any one of the men over 80 could take any of the men under 30. I mean, just tough. Picking cotton as a kid. But today, it's not saying that young, there are not any young guys who know how to work, but it's, you have to go against the culture. 
But if we're not careful, what we'll do is we will put our work as what we have to do, and we will understand that it's Jesus who gives us the work to do. And I don't want it to happen to you. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm on something. Let me give you a C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis said this about people in doubt. Brilliant scholar. Ask a question. He says, do not most people simply drift away? What he's saying is that there's not too many people that say, you know what, I was once involved in a gospel preaching church, but today I just decided, I think I'm going to join the Satanist coven of Virginia. I think I'm going to join Al-Qaeda. That's what I'm going to do with my life. He says it's not that, but it's just people slowly begin to drift and drift away. Let me give you several verses about backsliding. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, if you're taking notes. The Bible says, Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you who forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord of hosts. So the Bible says that if you drift from God, you don't have the fear of God. Proverbs 14, 14, The backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And then for parents and grandparents, I'm not a parent, but this, this righteously scares me. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Translation. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, and you do not emphasize prayer, you do not emphasize a relationship with Jesus Christ, and church could be just as low on the priority list as you could ever have it, know that God says that it is better for you because you have shown your children and your grandchildren that God is not important. It would be better for you to be drowned in the depths of the sea. It's hard, isn't it? Who said it? Help me out. Jesus said it. Yesterday we were at the jail. Um, we weren't in there because of offenses, but uh, we were able to do some jail ministry. It was a great honor. Uh, I was Ben and Jordan and Sue and myself, and we were there with six, six men. And uh, most of them had children, and we were talking about what they would be willing to do to protect their families. We're going through an anger resolution seminar and how uh, the Lord can fix the demon, the violent anger um, that most people deal with. Some people hide it better than others. He said, would you guys be willing to die for your kids? Every single one of them said yes. I think if I asked any of you parents, say if it came down to it, would you take the bullet for your son or your daughter? Parents say yes. One of the guys said something very profound. He said it's a natural thing to do. Parents protect their children. You know what I find fascinating in Church of Jesus Christ? We've got parents who say, I will do anything for my kid. I want them to have what I didn't have materially, education-wise. But yet they never read the Bible to them. They never talk to him about Christ. Oh, well, he just, you know, you don't understand. My husband does it. He's not very verbal about that bull. You're verbal about what you love. Is that too much? And the kids grow up. They go to Sunday, maybe, church with their parents. See mom or dad crack open a hymn book or read uh, some of the words off the screen or whatever it is and maybe crack open a Bible. But when it's closed, it's done. Then other thing, Sports. Money. Let's talk about how you can live a good life, son, daughter. Creep in. And what the kids hear 
is that Christ is not important. It's a good southern activity that you go to so you can sing along with the country songs that talk about going to church on Sunday morning and then just chilling out on Sunday afternoon. But Jesus is not Savior. He's just a person in a book. He's a cultural icon. He is not my Savior and Lord. And the kids grow up, and that's the reason why Jesus says that if you offend one of these little ones, it doesn't make any sense because it's saying, I want you to have a good life, but please hear me. And I've prayed about saying this, and I think that I'm being led by the Spirit to say this. What you say to your children, if you're a parent, a grandparent, and you do not emphasize that Jesus is our life, He's not just a part of it, what you're saying is that I want you to have a good family, I want you to have a good job, I want you to live in a good house, but I don't give a rip if you go to hell. And that's what they hear. I talk to some parents, they're like, man, I'm so convicted. I haven't done that for years. My kids in college, my kids are grown. They've got their kids. I, I can never, I, I've done it. No, the way that you start is repentance. There's a verse, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. It says in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22, Return, O faithless sons, and I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. The Lord is the one who can change that. But so often people will hear the message and say, I'm so convicted, Jeff. I've got baggage. I've got regrets. But you've got pride. That's the reason why you won't go back and try to make it right. So what God is calling us to do here today is to simply be radical, be biblically normal. Um, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, had a dream, vision. I want you to go to verse 15 with me very quickly. As it is said, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Notice, go back up to verse 13. It says today again. Why does it say today in quotation marks? Here's why the Bible says if, if, conditional, if you hear the voice of God, don't harden your hearts. Why did it say if? Because there's a point that people can come to to where it's not that they don't want to hear from God, it's that they can't because their hearts are too hard to receive it. Their hearts have built up so much against the Lord, it bounces off. It's called a hard heart. It says, hear it if you hear it today. Today, don't harden your hearts. Why? Because today does not last forever. And your heart does not remain responsive forever. Every time we hear truth, every time someone shares God's word with us, our heart has the propensity, the ability to respond in repentance and come close to the Lord, or it also has the propensity to fall away from the Lord and become distant from Him. William Booth's vision was this. He said, I looked out and I saw this great dark sea I began to hear screaming, and I noticed that there were multitudes of people who were drowning. I wanted to do something about it, but I couldn't. And he said, then I looked and I saw this great rock, like this mountain, this volcano, come up. And people began to go towards the rock. He says, and then I looked and I wanted to help, but but people couldn't get up to it. He says, and then I saw Jesus. 
Jesus come and, and came and He established a platform upon which people could sit and stay and be safe upon the rock. And Jesus was out pulling people and placing them on the rock. Pulling people out of the drowning depths. And He says, slowly as I looked in my vision, He says, I saw people who the Lord had saved and placed upon this rock begin to gather in small groups and talk with each other. He said, the voice of the Savior... Every time Jesus brought and saved one person, delivered them, He would go back for another. And He was calling the ones that He had saved, Come help me! But they had gathered into small groups. They had told Jesus, No, you come help us. Make us feel more secure. Come be with us. And Jesus is steadily, continually delivering people. And He says, Come help me! But people began to gather in small groups, in seclusion. And William Booth founded the Salvation Army, which was not just a thrift store. It was an army of followers of Christ who said, this is not just a Sunday activity, but we're taking this to America and all the world. May be involved here. May be a very honest person. But when we simply read the Word of God about our hearts being drawn away, drawn away from God, God came to you in your spirit and said, that's you. And God is calling you today to return to Him. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The Savior, Jesus, the one who rose from the dead, stands waiting to receive you and do a work in your heart. Christian, is your heart right with God? Do you have unconfessed sin? Is there something that you've been hiding? Are you angry with someone that you just refuse to forgive? Today, the Lord is saying, turn it over to me. I will set you free. I will give you a heart of flesh. For those of you, you say, Jeff, I I, I need God in my life. I I may be new to church. I've been out of it for years. I know that I, I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need to follow Christ. I want to be baptized. I want to begin to impact my children for the kingdom of God. I want to make a difference. Just in the quietness of this moment, I'm going to give you a few few moments just to, from your heart, just confess to God any waywardness, any cold-heartedness, any hard-heartedness, and ask the Lord to renew your spirit. Just in this moment right now, say, Lord, would you do a work in my life? I want to come back to you. Tell him you want to slide back. Say, Lord, I've been, I've been away. I need to come back to you. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. 